We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast, brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast, coming in Monday morning. It's November 21st. I had to look at my phone to check that. Uh, November 21st is after the Wolves pulled off their third consecutive win in Philadelphia on Saturday night and before they play Miami tonight, on Monday night at Target Center. And to discuss those two games, amongst other things, I'm joined today by Wolves beat writer from the Star Tribune, Chris Hine. Chris, you were there in Philly on Saturday. I'd like to start there before we start talking about Miami and going forward. And I want to talk about this idea of how you wrote in your game story, how that, which was a simple but good angle of how that game against the Sixers felt like a litmus test for whether a fan is an optimistic or pessimistic fan in general, or maybe just specifically about this team right there. I mean, based on the facts that night, that was a win, and it was a win on the road, but it was also yet another game where this team let a 20-point lead slip away as, again, the late-game execution just kind of took over and, again, looked like a mess. And I want to talk about that, but what I'm wondering from you first is, because you were there, you were in the locker room talking to these guys after the game, where was the group? on that litmus test they've for most of the season as they fumbled some things it's had it's been pretty much a positive vibe not too frustrated with it and I'm wondering now 16th game of the season was it still that sort of glass half full feeling from the group in the locker room or or was it more like we kind of got to get this stuff together like yeah wins good but you know we, we we can't keep doing this I think Anytime you get a win, people are happy. Yeah. And that was certainly the vibe I got uh, in the locker room. Nobody was like disappointed. It wasn't quiet or, or the way we see it after they lose, right? Like yeah. a win is a win. People were happy. People were, were chatting, like upbeat. Um, with at the same time, a recognition of what they did was not great, um, that there are many areas of improvement they need. Um, and you saw that reflected in some of their public comments as well. Um, but just in general, for to kind of paint a picture for people, anytime an NBA team gets a win, they're going to be happy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they're not going to be like, even though they blew a 20 point lead, almost blew a 20 point lead and, and nearly lost that game. It wasn't like they were sitting around saying, damn, like we, we, we let that one get away. Like, no, they're, they're happy. They won a the game. You know, it's just, it's just the reality. We of didn't score for five minutes and 18 seconds. In the right. Fourth quarter. We right. Can't, <laughs> we can't be happy right now. We can't, we can't be happy. We have to sit here and sulk and be miserable now. Yeah. No, it, it, it's not, it's not like that at all. I, I, the NBA, it's such a long season um, that, Anytime you get a win, it just brightens your day. I feel mm-hmm. like that's that's just life in the NBA. Um, and maybe if it was different and you, and you don't play as many games or, or you know, or, or what have you, maybe then you're a little different. Or or if you've won a lot already and, you know, you, you expect more of yourselves. But at this point in the season with this team, anytime they get a win, like they sh- – 
they should feel at least a little bit good about themselves because I think you want that as a team. You want positive vibes. Yeah, I, I thought. Um, so again, I wasn't I wasn't at the game, but just watching back through the through the Zoom, uh, Finch seemed to be both. He seemed to be both yes. glass half full and glass half empty, which I think is a responsible thing, uh, you know, to be to be doing right now. Like that's the reality of the situation. Like as we said, you did get the win; that matters. Um, there are clearly things that that needed to be that need to be ironed out with this with this team. But but you asked you asked Finch after the game if there's just if there's just something to be said about about getting a win. Here, here's Chris and and Chris and Chris going back and forth. Is something to be said about just getting wins in situations yeah, like this? For sure. Yeah. 100%. Um, you know, this is a game that uh, that you have to get if you're in our situation. You know, not just trying to scratch back to, um, you know, 500 on the season, but also, you know, that's a team that's severely depleted. Um, you know, the schedule presents us with an opportunity to play a team like Philly who's not at full strength you know you gotta you gotta make you gotta make hay in this one so he he looked like he was he was like yes chris please please ask me that <laughs> like i <laughs> i am very grateful that we won this game and yes there is yes. a glass yeah. half full here as well yeah he and the same goes for coaches like players and coaches like listen anytime you get a win everything feels a little bit better. We, we hear Carl talk about that all the time. It's one of the many Carl-isms that we, that we hear, you know, the food tastes better, you know, what, what, what are, what are the other things he says when, when he says that the food, the food line always stands the, the, out to the me, food. But. Yeah. The food tastes better. You sleep better. You sleep better. The yeah. wine tastes better. It was wine at first. And now, now he's moved on to whiskey You know, he's 27. So he's uh yes, that is a Carlism, but I, but I'm with it. Like for us too, like, I mean, you and I have both covered some teams on some extensive losing streaks, and it is not as fun for us to go into the locker no. room when it's like, no. yep, all right, nine in a row. Uh, didn't make any threes this game. What do you guys think? You know, like that's, I, one, that's one thing I always want to tell, uh, like either fans or, or the, even the players themselves sometimes. It's, and I think we've even told the, some players, it's like, look, we don't want to really ask you about like you're losing like it would be much easier for all involved if we came in here after a win and, 82 you, guys and, get to talk, <laughs> and you guys get to talk about how how well you played right like right. we would like that too because it's less awkward for all involved mm -hmm. uh, I, th I think we might have even said that to, we said we always said that to ant like off the record at, at, at one point or something no like literally that. when like, he was like uh, it was yeah, like last yeah. week he was like man you guys gotta yeah, talk to yeah. me again we're like yeah we don't want to <laughs> But like <laughs> we, we gotta, you know, and it was, we, yeah. we got to, yeah, yeah. So it, it it just makes it it makes it easier for all involved. Or Orlando was kind of the same way. It was you know that Orlando was not a perfect performance against another shorthanded team, but again, they won, and they were in warm weather out of the cold, so they were happy. <laughs> Speaking of uh, speaking of Ant, I don't I don't have the clip from this because it because it came from the locker room, but uh, but it just from from reading from your story when when you kind of asked Ant about this, um, you know that kind of they won the game. He had a, a you know a good game. He was the leading scorer in the game. It wasn't his most efficient shooting night, but I think for everyone who watched that game, you could tell that Ant was sort of a you know a driving force in that game. Um, you know, going at Embiid early and often kind of in the game. And so he was a driving force for sort of positivity, um, but also a driving force of that faltering late game execution uh, that, that they had there where he kind of, he kind of got ripped by, by Melton. And then, you know, then he went and made the kind of the chase down block contest sort of thing. And what he said to you was my heart was hurt. I ain't never got plucked in the open court, but I was like, we can't lose up a steal like this. Nah, not on me. I got to block this. So I tried to make a play on it. What was, uh, what was Ants just sort of, vibe when you were talking to him specifically in the locker room after the game also upbeat and generally happy um you know he was uh kind of holding court in the corner as he as he generally does um uh yeah but the, you know it, it's the same thing it's like the upbeat but with a recognition of man we got to be at least we got to be a lot better than that um 
and, and he kind of embodied, kind of like you said, he embodied that game in a lot of ways. Like, I think he had 11 points in the first quarter. He had a great for had great start to the game. He did. Um, uh, but on the night, he finishes with 25, but he goes seven for 21. So 25 points on 21 shots. Not, not great. Um, two for 10 from three point range. Also not great. Um, five turnovers to go with five assists. Mm-hmm. So it was a very mixed bag, like very much like the way the team played, uh, was how he played on Saturday night. Um, and to me, it just, you know, I, this is something I've asked a lot over the years. I've asked of this team, just in general, even with other coaches, it, it always kind of baffles me in, in some, in like tight moments or like last five minutes of a game when everything just stops and everything becomes isolation. Yeah. It's like, why, why does that happen so often? Mm-hmm. Like you just stop running the offense that you run for the other 43 minutes of, of the night. And it's just four guys standing around while one guy dribbles down the shot clock. And it's never sat well with me that just as it's one of my pet peeves of watching NBA basketball is like, why do you stop running your stuff yeah. in these moments of a game? And that's what happened during that scoring drought and Ant finally bailed them out with a, with a three, but man alive, that was tough to watch. Well, Finch kind of talked about that, too, and how that has been. And this is more on the the glass half empty side of it, of the of the litmus test. But how unfortunately thus far, again, through 16 games that what you are describing, which which you're right, is a a general NBA kind of a general basketball thing, too, which I'm with you. Doesn't 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 totally make sense. Um, But this team has been kind of egregious, right, in in how things just just stall and then they kind of become you know the snowball on the hill or as as finch put it here sort of the the avalanche of of mistakes for the most part we played three and a half really good quarters um and then just lots of careless turnovers which has been kind of our fatal flaw at times and um but we know we were able to hold on, make make a sh- make enough shots, make a couple big plays to win a game like that. But it really, it really shouldn't have come down to that. But you know, all credit to our guys for hanging together and figuring out a way to hang on. Um, but yeah, it's just the turnovers was really the key. I mean, we're up 15 with like seven and a half to play. We we get a stop, we turn it over in the break, and then we you know. Um, come down i think we travel the next time so you know and from there it was kind of like a a little bit of a uh, an avalanche of mistakes and you know less than ideal shots so so, so Chris, i just want to say that aval- avalanche of avalanche of mistakes is a fantastic either band name or album name <laughs> or or something something along those lines like if I was writing a breakup album, it might be like Avalanche of Mistakes might be the title. I, oh. I loved that phrase. I loved it. And Timberwolves, continue. Fa- Timberwolves fans do not love that that has been um, the album cover for a lot of this, this Timberwolves season <laughs> thus far. Uh, but like, it, it's it's interesting, right? Talking about these, these particularly last three games, which have been wins. Um, have been, you know, they've got this team back to eight and eight, which really is not even that far away from the one seed in the West. The West is kind of proving to be, as we kind of theorized before the season, a little bit more condensed um, than, you know, than it has been in the past. Like they're in the mix, right? And so, so why the avalanche of mistakes are maddening or or can be maddening is because you are if the avalanche was just a big snowball, then this team's, I don't know, like 11 and five or, or, or something like that. And you are the right. one seed or the, or the two seed in the West right now. And so much of the narrative surrounding this team, like then the narrative would just be like, Oh, they're still navigating some things with Carl and Rudy in the front court. And it's a new roster and it's blah, blah, blah. Um, winning as you also kind of wrote in your, your piece today, um, you know, winning allows for sacrifice to happen so much more. And, and a, a lot of the guys you talked about or you talked to about that were like, 
yeah, even of the starters who are all these high usage guys and they have the, there's some of this collision of enough basketballs to, to share and move the ball. And they're all just like, when we're winning, it's so much easier to kind of relinquish some of those shots, relinquish some of that that usage. And I just. Again, this is glass half full, but I wonder how much a streak of winning, even against, you know, limited uh, the limited teams they've played against can sort of like foster an energy that leads to more of that sacrifice that this team will necessarily need to, you know, to be the team that we thought they were going to be, or we we hope they were be, or we imagined they would be as a 50-ish win, win team in the league this year. Um, where are you at? Uh, in, in your, I know you asked the players about that. Where, where do you feel that they're at in terms of that idea of growing in their willingness to sacrifice. I think it's a mixed bag. And I think they, and, and what I wrote for today's paper, even admitted as such. And, and kind of what I wrote about was like the different, you have different, you have a lot of different dynamics at play here, right? Like if, with the starters, you have a lot of guys, except for Dilo, who's on a contract here, but you know, most of these guys aren't really fighting for their, you know, their money, so to speak. On the bench, that's a different thing yeah. where you have guys that are that are playing for their next contract who are significant pieces of the rotation. So when it comes to the bench, it's or when it comes to the starters, it's like, okay, Ant is used to having the ball in his hands and, and you know scoring a lot. But Ant, you know, as he said, is okay taking a back seat when he's when they're winning. But if he's losing, Ant's gonna feel like, get me the ball more, I can help us out of this. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. Let me let me shoot more, and maybe that causes people to press a little bit more when they shouldn't, yeah. because they're trying to be the ones that fix things. Um, that doesn't necessarily come from an unselfish place, or from a selfish place, but it could lead to selfish basketball. Yeah. Um, even even if the intentions are good. Yeah, I think um, it's the, the it's bench, the wanting yeah. to yank the team out of the rut is yeah. is certainly part of it, and. You know, in the starting unit, I think you do have individual creators who have had success doing that, right? Carl, Dilo, Ant, yeah. like have have that ability, and so there's some so there's some natural instinct there to to try to do that, and oftentimes, not always, um, but oftentimes that can trigger the avalanche of mistakes. And and as I was reading your piece, I was thinking about it's like, all right, and they're like, Ant said, it, quote to you like that. It when they're winning, it allows everyone to to relinquish some of those. Uh, not quote, but <laughs> summarizing like that right. that willingness to to pull back. This episode is brought to you by Land and Lore, the premier men's skincare brand that everyone is talking about. Finally, men are starting to realize that how you look determines how you feel, and how you feel determines your mindset for success. If you've never tried a skincare product made for men, you have no idea how amazing you can look and feel. So if you've been one of the guys using a bar of soap, it's time to upgrade. Land and Lore is made with all natural botanicals, nutrients, and essential oils. It's safe, easy to use, feels, and smells amazing. Land and Lore guarantees if your face doesn't both feel better and look better in 14 days, they'll give you a refund, no questions asked. The company is founded by Mark Haysbrook, who started and then sold Hayneedle.com to Mark Laurie. So a bit of a Timberwolves connection here as well. But the primary reason to try Land and Lore is because everyone loves it. There's no risk. And you get a 15% discount by using Dane MBA at checkout. I've personally started using both the shower kit and the face kit, and I love it. I've never really used skincare stuff before, but now that I've used Land and Lore, I'll never not use skincare. I just feel better. So check out landandlore.com today before they sell out. Again, that's Dane NBA, no spaces for 15% off at landandlore.com. That's L-A-N-D-L-O-R-E.com. Let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. Recent studies show that men's testosterone levels are dropping substantially since the 1980s at about an average of 1% per year. If your father was 30 when you were born, your testosterone levels could be 30% lower than his are. Low testosterone can have all types of health effects on men. It can cause you to lose muscle mass in your body. It can affect your mood, your memory, and even your sex drive. Let's Get Checked is a worldwide leader in at-home testing kits, and their male hormone tests let you easily test your testosterone levels. These results are reviewed by a clinician 
Once your sample is in the lab, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. Let's Get Checked labs are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So if you want to test your hormone levels without having to leave your home, visit trylgc.com slash Dane and get 25% off your test using code Dane25. Or look for that link and promo code in the show notes of this episode. That's trylgc.com slash Dane and get 25% off your test using code Dane25. But I also wonder, I don't know, this is more like politically, socially in the in the cloud sort of thing too, where I don't think it's just about this be- individual belief in themselves. Like we got to acknowledge that the NBA and basketball and society sort of fuels individualism, right? Like you get clout when you do make those right. shots uh, late in games, right? You, you get the ice in your veins moniker um, doing those type of things often does. If you do have a, you know, a reel of those sort of things and, and executives believe you are one of those type of guys, as you said before, that can lead to a, a higher contract the next time. So it's like there's a basketball dynamic to this that I think they're navigating. But I think there's also a social dynamic to this, too, that, you know, we can all, you know, all of us who played like low level high school basketball or whatever, are like, wow, you know, just move the ball like. You know, that's what we did back when we played. And it's like, yeah, it's because we sucked, you know, like we couldn't like I couldn't cross somebody up and just like go hit a pull up jumper. So, of course, I passed it. You know, we so, had to pass. It exactly. But otherwise, exactly. So I don't know. Stand out there. Yeah. So I was thinking about that when I was reading your story, yeah. too, of yeah. how I think from the fan, the outside perspective, our perspective, you know, it, it's just like pass the damn ball. But. There's a, there's always a reason behind why something seemingly obvious isn't happening. And I don't know, everything I sort of just said there is is my theory of of what is leading to a lot of this stagnation and um, bravado is, is a part of basketball and particularly particularly at the highest level. Yeah. And, and what's the one thing that players do when we go into a locker room afterwards? What's the first thing that we kind of see them doing when we walk into the locker room? Kind of, kind of to your point. Hide? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. They're, flipping, they're flipping through their phone. Oh, 100%. You're right. That's yeah, a good call. Yeah. They, are, they, they haven't been with their phones for three-ish hours, right? Mm-hmm. So they're, they're going through their phones and, you know, obviously catching up on text messages. Right. Mm-hmm. But they're also they're checking social media like, you know, that. That's, oh, yeah. That's you you hear happening. the highlights playing on yes. their phone. You hear like, yep. you know, the squeak, yeah. squeak, squeak of the phone. You could, like, right. You could hear it. You could hear. Right. Exactly. So. Yeah. So, you know, they're looking to see if they have the arm flex emojis or the flow and smoke <laughs> emojis and in in their Instagram, you know, all that stuff. God, that's, we are that's, we that's are bra- aging that, ourselves. That's how bravado is represented. Those I, I love the Instagram or the emojis in the comments. Um, <laughs> but you're right, though. Like there is a bravado to that, and and we've we've heard even Finch talk about that when it comes to like the mid range jump shot. Like it's a shot of bravado. Love that line. It's a yep. shot to to prove that you could that you can get that shot and make it. Um, it, it absolutely is a thing in the NBA, and. With the with some of the guys on the bench too, like it's it's those guys are playing for money too, so it's more than yeah. just bravado for them. Like you know, those guys are playing for for life changing generational wealth. They hope you know totally. And and it's tough. It's tough sometimes for for those guys to maybe take getting fewer minutes or mm-hmm. you know not getting as many shots as they can. And but I think the mark of this team and what what some of the veterans and Rudy kind of spoke to it in the end of the piece was, you know, but you still got to be a good teammate. Like yep. you still got to support everybody out there. Like it's tough when you're not getting, when you're not getting the minutes, when you're not getting the looks, mm-hmm. um, but you still gotta, you still gotta support each other out there. You know, you, you can't take it personally. You can't take it out on your teammates. Um, you still gotta be cheering and, and up and, you know, 
kind of let the chips fall where they may with your own individual situation. But if the team's playing well and, and, or, you know, you got, you just got to be an encouraging teammate. And I think that's the mark of, of a good, well-connected team when that happens um, because otherwise you're going to fall into dysfunction. So I think that's, that's been important. Why this, why this three game winning streak has been important is because it's, it kind of papers over maybe whatever issues guys might have with how they're figuring out the rotation early on here. Rudy is such an interesting character specifically to what we're talking about, right? Like, yeah, he is this guy who has gotten paid, gotten the the super max and, and gotten all of those things, which gives him some of that clout, but it's a clout that's often questioned, right? Um, in right. the media amongst other players because Rudy does not have that game of the traditional bravado, at least offensively, right? Um, he, he's, he doesn't have a bag, as they say, uh, to, to be able to go and like take you over one-on-one at all offensively. Yet Rudy, when you talk to executives, has all this clout. It's, again, the reason he got paid because he does all of those smaller things. He has this uh, you know eight-year track record of of being the guy who fosters um continuity uh of of the team you know with his the role he played as such an elite screen setter which is not sexy you know a box out guy he's great at help defense and rotating like he is the antithesis of that his game is of of that bravado that we talk about and and I think socially um Rudy takes a hit for that Right. In in his in in his perception. So he's a it's it's fascinating to add the player who is the antithesis of that to this group. And this group seemed to be um, one of the teams in the league who is most struggling to adopt that selfless identity uh, in any in any sort of way. It's it's odd, though, if you're watching the games, it you know, it it's what's happening and, and it makes sense. And it's Mm -hmm. clearly the, the mountain, the mountain of sacrifice that they're going to need to, you know, overcome to avoid these avalanches. Cause I think with Rudy, what he does well on both ends of the floor relies on good team basketball. Mm -hmm. Like, like that's the way you maximize what Rudy Gobert. He's legit bad. He's legit bad. If the team is not playing team basketball. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It all, it all kind of falls apart. Um, if they're not moving the ball on offense, he's going to look like he's doing absolutely nothing on the offense than before on defense. It's going to be like, well, what's Rudy doing? I thought he was supposed to be this all, but if he's scrambling around trying to cover three or four different people's mistakes, um, he's going to look bad, you know? And so, yeah, his, his reputation does rely on, he is the antithesis of that. Like you said, like, he relies on selfless, good, communicative basketball. Um, and that's something that this team is still struggling to learn at this point in the season. It's very uh, international energy, right? Like yep. that that's how that when we talk about the differences between the American game and the international game. And obviously we've seen this with, with the Olympics and, you know, the redeem team and all, all that sort of stuff of like, we do know the selfless thing can work. Uh, it just requires a group to be, or the majority of, of a group to be playing that way. That, that's where the Wolves need to get to, right? Is the majority of the group, the majority of the time needs to be playing um, in a way that puts some of those individualistic things to the side, which we've acknowledged is is easier said than done. But uh, but that's what they're that's what they're moving. They need to move towards. Chris, the last thing I, I wanted to last topic I kind of wanted to to get to with you that I think we just you know have to kind of touch on, and I'm not by no means am I saying this to to take away from a three game winning streak, um, but this has they have not played teams even close to at full strength as as Chris Finch right. was talking about in uh, in Cleveland, Orlando, uh, or Philadelphia, and and Miami will be that way again this evening. Uh, they they've been ravaged by injuries, though they're getting, you know, they're getting a little bit healthier. I think there's a chance 
uh, as we're recording this this morning, I haven't seen if Tyler Hero um, is going to be back, which would make a, you know, a big difference for them. But we do know, you know, no Jimmy Butler, Duncan Robinson rolled his ankle again uh, in, in the game last night. So you're, to some extent, you're going to be getting a limited Miami team, the fourth consecutive team that has been limited. And the Wolves, you know, knock on wood, and this is a good thing, like have not. They have been at at full strength uh, for pretty much this entire season, except for missing Gobert for those two games when he had COVID. Uh, what do you just kind of make of, of that whole idea and to what extent um, it's just assume they beat Miami tonight. Like, what extent would that cheapen the four-game winning streak, if at all? I think, you know, kind of taking a big-picture view, when I was coming into the season and, like, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out, like, where are the Wolves going to fit in terms of regular season wins? Where are they going to finish in the West? It's like that. One of the things that I, in my mind, had factored in was they're going to have – a lot of availability for a lot of their important players. Like, I don't think this is an accident because Carl plays a lot of games traditionally. Ant plays a lot of games or has in his first two seasons. Um, Jaden has been fairly healthy, um, except for the, the ankle roll last season. And I think Rudy has been yeah. fairly healthy. In the context the of a, a center, like, you know, yeah, five yeah. seem to miss time more. And it's not like Rudy's been like an 80, 82 game guy. But for the most part, yeah, that I, you know, off the top of my head, going back and looking at it, he's more been that like, I don't know, playing 85, 90% of the games every, yeah. every single season. So I think that is a good point. You have a group that has traditionally run well in terms of availability. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they've been these guys have traditionally been available so that's I, I kind of factored this in like they're gonna be they're gonna be able to roll out their starting lineup on nights when other teams are gonna be short-handed yeah and it just so happens that we've seen a kind of a clump of that here um, but that's life in the NBA is you know it, it, listen and, and the injury bug is gonna come for them at some point it, you know it, how severe it is it's just the it's just the the, the big question but I think that they are less prone to just extended absences because of who is coming on the floor for them every night. Whereas, you know, other teams just maybe have players that are prone in like Jimmy Butler. You know, he doesn't make it through a, a whole season entirely healthy. He, 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 I think he's maybe played like 50% of the matchups against the Wolves <laughs> totally. in the years, in the years yeah. that he's not been on the team anymore. Like he, he seems like he misses every other matchup right. um, when they play each other twice a year. So I, I, I don't think it, I, I don't think it cheapens it that much. I think it cheapens it in the short term because they were, they were playing so poorly and it's like the schedule yeah. kind of just threw them a life raft here early in the season. But when I, when I zoom out I'm like, well, yeah, you know, that's availability I think is very much a, an important quality, um, yeah. you know, and it's not an accident that that they have been healthy and been able to take advantage of of this last week of games. Um, so I, I think it's 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 more than just luck. Yeah, and and what I would add on to that too, again, having kind of like watched, I always try to watch the the game before uh, the the team the Wolves are going to play their, their previous game, and. It's been interesting, not only just in their matchups against the Wolves, but in, in the games previous to watch how how little depth a lot of those those teams have had. Like tonight, um, if Gabe Vincent and Tyler Hero aren't, aren't going to be able to play again, it's like they have no backup point guard. And when I think about that in the yeah. context of the Wolves, like really, I mean, we, we could kind of go through the starting lineup, right? And, you know, if D'Lo rolled an ankle and had to miss two weeks, like, It'd be almost kind of interested to see what J Mac playing 30 minutes a night for two weeks would look like. You know, if Ant, yep. you know, got hurt, you'd be like, okay, well, I think Noel is kind of like the facsimile of, of Ant in a lot of ways. Jade McDaniels, you plug Kyle Anderson in there. If it were Cat or Rudy, yep. as we've already seen this season with Rudy, like we feel pretty confident about Nas stepping in, you know, relative to yeah. the fact that they're bench players and they're at step, all of those players are a step below the, the starters. It's uh, it's it's noteworthy that the wolves are relatively deep and 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 meaningful, given that they gave up 
what seemed like a ton of their depth in in the Gobert trade. So I think that's a, a testament to the roster construction, but also a reason for when the Wolves do catch the injury bug and when they are playing, when they do have a few weeks of playing teams who are at full strength and they're not, I think this roster is a little bit better equipped to handle a couple of blows than uh, we saw Orlando be able to be when they were really lacking guards. Um, or I think, you know, or Philadelphia last night, it was, or not yeah. last night, sat the last game Saturday. It was like, well, where are they going to get it? You got no Maxi, you got no Harden. They built a roster that was built on Maxi and Harden being their perimeter creators. So yep. all they can plug in is three and D guys because that's how they built the roster. You know what I mean? Like the Wolves, I don't know what the term would be exactly, but their bench is happens to be built more so in discounted facsimiles of of, of the starting unit unit, which is a I don't know. It's it's a it's a different sort of strategy that I think they kind of stumbled into, given that they had to trade as many of those guys. But it's uh it's interesting. It gives me a little bit more confidence if and when they do uh, catch the injury bug. Yeah, and the other thing with with their bench too, and I don't know, you know, compared to other benches, uh, you know, kind of gotten down that rabbit hole. But most of the guys who contribute off their bench have been here for a while. Good point. Yeah, you know, and that's the other thing. They're 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 not getting used to playing in a new team in a new system. They know kind of how to play. Right. And I don't know that that's always the case on some of these other teams. Certainly, as, yeah. as benches shift from year to year. But and and the one guy who is new to that mix, Kyle Anderson, is renowned as one of the smartest players yeah, in that, the NBA. That's kind of so, his thing, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> the, the, the ability to adapt to pretty much any situation that he's in. Mm -hmm. So. The the first five guys that you bring off the bench for this team are all well versed in how to play once yep. they're on the floor. Yeah. So and and, it, and you know we were talking about the sacrifice thing earlier. You know, if one guy goes down, then hey, that's you know also an, an opportunity for you know someone else maybe in the starting lineup to really take over and mm -hmm. you know in the absence of somebody else, right? right? So. I do think that they are equipped should the injury bug hit them um, to, to withstand it at least a little bit. Yeah. Um, maybe better, and, and like you said, better than some of the teams that they've had. Because I think their depth is just the continuity of the depth within the system and within the team is, is very beneficial for them. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? 
you won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. I, I think just my my broad takeaway when I say, you know, does it cheapen the wins or this and that, like, my answer is no, but we we can't not acknowledge it, right? Like, but it, but I also I also yeah I also don't think it, it, you're not you're not giving any big takeaways of like the wolves are back, yeah, like right. you know they're 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 here. It's like well no they, they they've gotten through a rough patch mm. with a couple wins. Now the big question is can they use this as a launching pad? Like is this the break yep. that they needed to help get them jump started? That's the big question with this win streak. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and, and for us, like, we just, we need to, we need to acknowledge that, that, you know, yes, they won these games. No, I I mean, I'll be talking about it very, like even Orlando at at the beginning of the year when they were at full strength or closer to full strength and, you know, Paolo Bencaro was playing really well. Like even that on the road, beating Orlando full strength, given how the Wolves started slow, like that would have carried some weight. To eat some more weight than it did mm-hmm. for me, and and that's not that's the re- the reality of the situation is that's not what Orlando was it wasn't even close there wasn't didn't have Wendell Correct. Carter either you know maybe their third best player, um and then you know you move down the line too of yeah like Cleveland they're a pretty deep team but they didn't have Donovan Mitchell and Jared Allen like they're all stars like you, you we need to we need to grab onto some of that context so as to be able to be like rational or logical of of what this was now. It go. It had they lost any of those three games, it goes the other way, right? Where you're like, you were full strength and you lost to Orlando, right? Like, and they were not. Yep. And so it's it's both. I guess that's what I'm. That's what I'm just trying to say. And I, I think sometimes like a fan base can get really frustrated by the idea of of cheapening wins, or might even be rolling their eyes at the idea that we've been talking about this for five minutes. Right. I'm not yeah. bringing this up to cheapen it. I'm bringing it up to contextualize it. And when we think back, because I mean, I don't know about like, I think we're going to look back at the first 25 games of this season and be like, that was weird. Like just in general, like, you know, like, well, I, I think, well, I think we look back at the first 20 games of last season and are like, that was weird. Mm-hmm. That was not who that team ultimately became. Yeah. Uh, especially that first 15 games. Mm-hmm. Um, only, only did they start to figure it out around Christmas time. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm with you 100. percent It's it's just yeah you're right. It's just contextualizing everything. They are not they are not playing great basketball right now. Mm-hmm. Like that's just plain to see. But and and it's kind of a Finch thing too, Chris. Like yeah, let's just go back. Like they've started weird this year, and maybe we'll bounce. It look like they're bouncing back in some sort of way. Same thing happened last year where they started off you know four and nine. Even go back to when Finch took over, and this was you know more reasonably expected to take over a team in the middle of the year and have a little, and have a hiccup. They got killed in Finch's first five games that, that he yeah. coached there. And then it was again, a trampoline, a relative, like relatively speaking uh, back to where they were. And then I, I was looking at this last week um, that, that Pelicans team that Finch was like the associate head coach of, and they had Boogie and Anthony Davis. And it was kind of the same thing with that group too. Like really like when they traded for cousins, the one season it was not it was not good like at the deadline yeah. the, the rest of that season and then obviously cousins got hurt at an unfortunate time for them but they were they really then after a slow start really picked up and it was like something like that won seven of their last eight or eight of their last nine before cousins got in that so i don't know i that it's it's hard for me to pinpoint what exactly it is about finch uh but i think he is that the theory here, right, is that he's kind of one of those coaches that needs some time for his ideology to sink in. That that's that's where yeah. I think we have a sample size here that that suggests that. Are you with that concept? Yeah, I, I think so. And I think as a, I think that's that's fair, and especially when you have new guys that are trying to do it, um, that's that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. And the other thing too is like he, I, I just in general too, is also going to be very patient with things. True, he's he's going to let 
things play out. He's not going to over. We, we saw it with, you know, the cries a few weeks ago of like, why aren't you playing the bench more down the stretch <laughs> of the game? You know, he, and he's not going to do that because look, this is the group that they're going to ultimately have to win with, mm-hmm. you know, that starting group. He's not going to panic and, and make these on the fly changes or adjustments just because they had a bad week. He, he um, aims at know, maximization, I think. Right. Yeah, and and it's yes. even a super small microcosm of that, which kind of had us all pulling our hair out was like trying to get Rudy off. Right. Like early in yep. the season and unlocking him. And you're like, well, I don't know if that really makes sense to do in game two of the season. <laughs> like he's Rudy's never right. done this before. <laughs> but what Finch has said is like, that's what we're going to need to do to be able to maximize this group at some point. When you think about the playoffs and you think about what held Rudy back in the playoffs was an inability to do those sort of things. And part of the reason he had an inability to, to be able to, you know, seal post up and seal and score on a six foot six guy in the playoffs these last two years is because he never did it during the regular season in in Utah. And so there's, there's all these little things where, where Finch is aiming at maximization. Now, sometimes might that aim prove to be incorrect? Sure. I'm still kind of on that with, with the Rudy idea to, to, to some extent, but it is, I think pretty definitively, um, a part of Finch's identity as a coach, and will be will be interesting to track. That's and that's that's who he's been. He's always preached an even an even keel, generally speaking. Um, never get too high, never get too low. Um, I think it's served them well, especially with a young team that can be prone to emotional ups and downs. To have that kind of leadership at the top. Um, and that's what you're seeing. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I'm trying to think back to last year. And, you know, last year, the, the big thing that he said early on was, like, he thought they were farther along offensively to start the year than they were. Yeah. That his, his phrase was they skipped steps, you know, when they were uh, installing things in training camp. And so he kind of went back, you know, just it, it went over the basics. And by the time December rolled around, the COVID games happened with the bench taking over. Um, and it forced them to take those steps because it right, was all it forced them to take those yeah. steps. Yeah. It kind of locked, locked who they were into place right. from that, from that point forward. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the, what the, what the fix or the, what the big fixes, big picture fixes are this year. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we've hit that yet necessarily, or like, I don't think we've seen we've enough good basketball yeah. to know. I don't even know if they really right. do either. Like, it's been 16 games, so, you know, what is, what is that? 64 quarters. Um, like, how many of those have been extremely instructive quarters? Right. Less than half of them, I would say. Like, it's yeah. just, because that's what I'm talking about. They've been weird, man. They've been, they've been weird, and, and you, you haven't been able. So I think, I think that is part of it, is, is in maximization, you have some lows when the, when the floor falls out, and, and you thus have, less time, less film, whatever, whatever, to be able to to really have learned from. And I think now that is a real highlight to me from this three-game winning streak is you've probably been in all three of those games, you know, maybe nine or ten of those quarters have been instructive. And, and I think with this group, that can go a long way. I'll just say for me, it'll go a long way and me better shaping my opinions or thoughts of what is and isn't working or what could work to maximize uh, the, the group long-term big picture. Yeah. It, I mean, just look at how much better it looks, yeah. right? You know, and again, the condition being depleted rosters, shorthanded teams and everything, but at least the same issues that were happening against like the Spurs, for instance, yeah. are not happening now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's maybe one of the encouraging things you could see. Yeah. They're playing with a little more purpose mm-hmm. and the way that they talked about playing back then, they're actually enacting now. Yeah. Um, the, the sense of urgency is, has, has certainly turned up. I think everybody who's been watching since those first five, six games of the season sees a different level of energy and effort out of the group, even if the execution isn't, isn't always there. And those can be different things, right? Um, like execution is not always a product of a lack of effort and, and energy. It's still something 
this group really needs to to iron out. But but I'm I'm definitely with that. Uh, Chris, you're uh, you're at home for for the holidays. You will not be at yes. uh, you will not be at the the Wolves game tonight against Miami at Target Center. Uh, neither will I. First, just to you and your family. You no, know, happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the time. Yeah. You that beat writer traveling life can be crazy. So uh, <laughs> I uh, I'm, yeah. I'm glad you're taking you're taking some time there. Yeah, the schedule. Speaking of schedule, luck worked out very well for me. That my family is two hours north of Philadelphia, Perfect. so you know after the Philadelphia game, just went home, uh, and we'll spend the next few days with them, and we'll catch up with the Wolves on Friday in Charlotte. Perfect. I'll be flying in. I'll be flying in that morning. So awesome. It worked out very well. Yep. Uh, well, you Happy and I Thanksgiving to everybody out there. Yes, sir. Uh, you and I will 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 catch up on on Monday again. Uh, to as we are going to be doing every Monday throughout the season, I'm I'm on on the move as well for for the holidays, and so just for for the listeners, this is going to be a less a, a lower volume uh, of episodes this week. We have this episode with Chris today. We'll do we'll do Jace on on Wednesday, but uh, but Britt and I will will skip Thursday, obviously because of Thanksgiving, and then Kyle and I will push to to Saturday rather than our our normal. Friday show we'll we'll get back in a rhythm after that but it is the holidays we're all trying to we're all trying to fuse work with uh you know that that necessary time there too so just just so you know that that's what the, the schedule is looking like for now obviously always subject to change of technology and you know if my car blows a tire or something there won't be there will, <laughs> there will, there will not be uh an episode but Chris I appreciate you doing this again uh we kind of plug two of Chris's stories today um, from Philadelphia that have a lot of quotes and in there from the players that you, you know, you can't find those on, on YouTube. So I would, I'd recommend checking out both of those. I thought, I thought his piece today on, on sacrifice, as, as we talked about, that's, that's, that's in the, uh, the Monday paper or up at, at startribune.com there. So always be following uh, Chris's work. He's often on the road with uh, with this type of access. Chris, again, thank you for doing it. You can follow Chris, the stories he tweets out on his Twitter at Christopher Hine. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. Until Wednesday with Jace. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.